Jesus Teaching in Genesareth and Banks of the Jordan Part 5 Jesus in Nazareth The Pharisees want to cast him down a mountain. Jesus went from this place to Nazareth, the distance being about two hours. He taught outside the city in the dwelling belonging to the children of his deceased friend, Eliud the Sinian. They washed his feet, gave him some refreshment, and remarked how rejoiced the Nazarenes would be at his coming. Jesus replied that their joy would be of short duration, since they would not care to hear what he must say to them. Then he went into the city. Someone had been appointed to wait for him at the gate. Scarcely had he made his appearance when several Pharisees and a crowd of people came forward to meet him. They received him very ceremoniously and wanted to conduct him to a public inn where they had prepared for him a feast of welcome before the Sabbath. But Jesus refused to partake of it, saying that he had just now other work on hand. He went immediately to the synagogue, whither he was followed by the Pharisees and a concourse of people. The hour of the Sabbath had not yet sounded. Jesus taught of the coming of the kingdom and the fulfillment of the prophecies. Asking for the book of Isaiah, he enrolled it and read as follows, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me. He hath sent me to preach to the meek, to heal the contrite of heart, and to preach a release to the captives, a deliverance to them that are shut up. 61.1 The manner in which Jesus read this text gave his hearers to understand that it was spoken of himself, that the Spirit of God had descended upon himself, that he himself had come to announce salvation to poor, suffering humanity, that all wrongs should be made right, widows should be consoled, the sick cured, sinners forgiven. His words were so beautiful, so loving, that wondering and full of joy, they said one to another, He speaks as if he himself were the Messiah. They were so carried away with admiration for him that they became quite vain of the fact that he belonged to their own city. Jesus went on teaching after the Sabbath began. He spoke of the voice of the precursor in the desert and said all things should be made even, the crooked way straight, etc. The instructions over, Jesus accepted a meal that had been prepared for him. The people behaved toward him in a very friendly manner and told him that they had many sick whom he must cure. Jesus excused himself, but they thought that he meant, not today, wait till tomorrow. After the meal, he returned to the Sinians outside the city. They were congratulating him upon the kind reception he had received. He told them to wait till the following day when they would have another story to tell. When Jesus went next morning to the synagogue, a Jew whose turn it was to read was about to take the roll of scriptures. But Jesus desired them to hand it to him. He taught from Deuteronomy chapter 4 of the obedience due to the commandments, from which nothing must be taken and to which nothing must be added. He reminded them that although Moses had zealously repeated to the children of Israel all that God commanded, yet they had frequently violated his ordinances. The Ten Commandments presented themselves in the course of the reading, and Jesus explained the first, that on the love of God. He spoke very severely, reproaching them with the additions they made to the law, laying burdens upon the poor people, 
and not fulfilling the law itself. He assailed them so sharply on this point that they became angry, for they could not say that he was uttering falsehood. But they murmured and said one to another, How does he dare all at once to speak so boldly? He has been away from his native city only a short time. Now he wants to pass himself off for some extraordinary personage. He speaks as if he were the Messiah. But we know his father, the poor carpenter, well. We know him, too. Where did he learn the scriptures? How can he dare presume to interpret for us? And so they went on, growing more and more excited against him, for they were mortified to have been thus convicted before all the people. But Jesus quietly continued his teaching, and went, when it suited him out to the Ascendian family. Here he was visited by the sons of the rich man, the youths who sometime previously had so earnestly asked to be received among the disciples, and whose parents were aiming only at worldly renown and science for them. They pressed Jesus to dine with them, but he declined. Then they renewed their entreaties to be received among his followers, saying that they had fulfilled all that he had on a former occasion commanded them. Jesus replied, If ye have done that, then there is no need of becoming my pupils. You are yourselves masters. With these words, he dismissed them. Jesus ate and taught in the family circle of the Assyrians, who told him in how many ways they were annoyed by their neighbors. He counseled them to remove to Capernaum, where he himself would dwell in the future. Meanwhile, the Pharisees had consulted together, had incited one another against Jesus, that had come to the determination that, if he spoke so boldly again that evening, they would show him that he had no right to do so in Nazareth, and would perpetrate upon him what had so long been desired in Jerusalem. Still, they were not without hope that he would yield to their wishes and, through respect for them, work some miracle in their presence. When he returned to the synagogue for the close of the Sabbath, he found lying in front of it some sick who had been brought there by order of the Pharisees. But he passed through them without curing any. He went on with his discourse in the synagogue, speaking of the plenitude of time, of his own mission, of the last chance of grace, of the depravity of the Pharisees, and the punishment in store for them if they did not reform, and oppressed upon them the fact of his own coming to help, to heal, and to teach. They became more and more displeased, especially when he said, But ye say to me, Physician, cure thyself. In Capernaum and elsewhere thou hast wrought miracles. Do the same here in thy native city. But I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Then, comparing the present to a time of famine, and the different cities to poor widows, he said, There was great famine throughout the land in the time of Elias, and there were many widows in those days. But the prophet was sent to none but the widow of Sarepta. And there were many lepers in the days of Lysias, but he cleansed none but Naaman the Syrian. And so Jesus compared their city to a leper who was not healed. They became terribly furious at being likened unto lepers, and rising up from their seats they stormed against him, and made as if they would seize him. But he said, Observe your own laws, and break not the Sabbath. When it is over, do what you propose to do. They allowed him to proceed with his discourse, though they kept up the murmuring among themselves, and addressed scornful words to him. Soon after they left their places and went down to the door. Jesus, however, continued to teach and explain his last words, after which he too left the synagogue.
Outside the door, he found himself surrounded by about twenty angry Pharisees, who laid hands on him, saying, Come on up with us to a height from which thou canst advance some more of thy doctrines. There we can answer thee, as thy teaching ought to be answered. Jesus told them to take their hands off, that he would go with them. They surrounded him like a guard, the crowd following. The moment the Sabbath ended, jeers and insults arose on all sides. They raged and hooted, each trying to outdo his neighbor in the number and quality of his scoffing attacks upon Jesus. We will answer thee, they cried. Thou shalt go to the widow of Sarepta. Thou shalt cleanse Naaman the Syrian. Art thou Elias? And art thou going to drive up to heaven? Well, we'll show thee a good starting place. Who art thou? Why didst thou not bring thy followers with thee? Ah, thou wast afraid. Was it not here that thou, like thy poor parents, gained thy daily bread? And now that thou hast whereon to live, wilt thou turn us to scorn? But we will listen to thee. Thou shalt speak in the open air before all the people, and we will answer thee. On thus shouting and raging, they led Jesus up the mountain. He meanwhile quietly went on teaching as usual, answering their vain talk with passages from Holy Scripture and significant words that sometimes put them to shame, and that others threw them into greater rage. The synagogue was in the western part of Nazareth. It was already dark, and two of the crowd bore torches. They led Jesus around by the eastern side of the synagogue, then turned into a broad street that ran westward out of the city. Ascending the mountain, they reached a lofty spur which on the northern side overlooked a marshy pool, and on the south formed a rocky projection over a steep precipice. It was from this point they were in the habit of precipitating malefactors. Here they intended once more to call Jesus to account, and then to hurl him down. The abyss ended in a narrow ravine. They were not far from the scene of action when Jesus, who had been led as a prisoner among them, stood still, while they continued their way mocking and jeering. At that instant I saw two tall figures of light near Jesus, who took a few steps back through the hotly pursuing crowd, reached the city wall on the mountain ridge of Nazareth, and followed it till he came to the gate by which he had entered the evening before. He went straight to the house of the Assyrian, the good people had not been anxious about his safety. They believed in him and were expecting his return. He spoke to them of the late occurrence, reminded them that he had foretold it, again bade them go to Capernaum, and, after about half an hour, left the city in the direction of Capernaum. Nothing was more laughable than the perplexity, the alarm, the silly plight of the Pharisees when, all in a sudden, they found Jesus no more among them. The cry was raised, Halt! Where is he? Halt! The crowd came rushing on. The Pharisees pressed back upon them. The narrow path became a scene of confusion and uproar. They laid hold of one another. They squabbled and shouted. They ran to all the ravines and poked their torches into the caves, thinking that he had hidden therein. They endangered neck and limb in their fruitless search, and one upbraided the other for having allowed him to slip away. Quiet was not restored until long after Jesus had left the city, and they set guards upon and around the whole mountain. Returning to the city, the Pharisees said, Now we have seen what he is, a magician. The devil has helped him. He will soon spring up again in some other place, and throw all around him into confusion. Jesus had ordered his disciples to leave Nazareth at the close of the exercises in the synagogue and await him at a certain place on the road to Terechia. 
Saturnin and other disciples from Capernaum have received the same directions. All met Jesus at dawn, and with him took a little rest in a retired vale. Saturnin had brought some bread and honey. Jesus told them of what had taken place at Nazareth, and bade them be calm and obedient, in order not to interfere with his work by stirring up too great excitement among the populace of different cities. Then they took a retired route through the valleys and past cities toward the effluence of the Jordan from the Sea of Galilee. A large fortified city lay at the southern extremity on a tongue of land not far from the outlet of the Jordan. A large bridge and a dam led to it. Between the city and the lake was a gently sloping plain covered with verdure. The city was called Terechia. <laughs>